This episode is brought to you by McDonald's. Not sure you've heard of them. <laughs> Up and coming uh, little restaurant, but they're making it. They're the little engine that could. You know, the moment of bliss when you spot your fries being scooped into the carton and suddenly time slows down. I have that all the time. I love their fries. Oh, yeah. yes. McDonald's fries hit different when they're free. That's another thing I'll tell you. And when they belong to your friends, there's no better feeling than thinking you're out of fries and then you discover extra fries at the bottom of your bag or else my son still hasn't finished his fries yeah. and I'm done with mine. And uh, he used to be weaker than me so I could just take them. Yeah. Now I can't because he's stronger than me. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's no wrong way to eat McDonald's fries, but we all think our way is the best way. And I like stealing them from someone else. That's my favorite <laughs> way. Get your favorite McDonald's fries today. McDonald's, check them out sometime. They're everywhere. How's your sock drawer looking? It's messy. There's a lot of single socks. Yep. I think it's time for a little spring cleaning. Oh. <laughs> Check out Bombas. Once you try a pair, you'll never look at socks the same way again. I should know. I like my Bombas. Their spring collection has new garden party socks that bring the party to your feet. My feet have never been to a party. <laughs> They've so got sad. stripes and florals and new vintagey colored rib socks. You know, when I'm wearing Bombas, I feel like my feet are being caressed okay. and cared for in a way they never have been in my life. Hmm. Get comfy this spring and give back with Bombas. Head over to bombas.com slash Conan and use code Conan for 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash Conan and use code Conan at checkout. <laughs> Hi, my name is Jack White, and I feel magnanimous about being Conan O'Brien's friend. So you, what you're saying is you are- I don't know the definition of magnetic. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> you know it doesn't mean magnetic. Oh. It does not mean that Maybe you I should try a different word. <laughs> Fall is here, hear the yell, back to school, ring the bell. Shoes, walking blues, climb the fence, books and pens. I can tell that we are gonna be friends. Yes, I can tell that we are gonna be friends. Hey there, welcome to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, the podcast that gives and gives and asks for nothing in return. Matt Gorley, good to see you. Hi. Uh, Son of Mosesian, how are you? Hello. How are your little gentlemen doing? The They're little... very good. I'd still sing them the little gentleman song. They like it a lot. How's that go? My little gentleman. It's when I wipe their mouths. Aww. It's the only way they'll be cool. That's a song? Me. My little gentleman. <laughs> my little gentleman. Uh. I dab your little face. Okay. My little gentleman. And they like that. <laughs> yeah. I think I could sing anything and they'll be like, eh. Wow, a true mother's love for her children. Uh, <laughs> Gorley was lovely seeing uh, your daughter the other day. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. I want to get the word out that we uh, recorded some summer s'mores and we were over at your house. Yeah. And uh, I got to meet your daughter, which was really nice. You're talking about Bill Squishman? What? <laughs> That's her nickname. What? Her, her full nickname is Bill Squishman, founder Squishman Enterprises, co-founder Siegel Squishman Dynamics, quality through cuteness. How cute. What? That's so yeah. sweet. <laughs> Why Bill Squishman? What kind of name is I that mean, for yeah. a, a Take girl? Take a look at her. She just looks like a 50s businessman. <laughs> <laughs> Your daughter does kind of look like a Eisenhower era ad exec. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm lost on my own podcast. I don't. 
I don't know what we're talking about now. Just, our families. Our families. No. Oh, yeah. yeah. You had nicknames for Nevin Beckett, I'm sure, that were weird and Child one, child two. <laughs> no. no, you come into a room and you call people chopper and stuff like oh, that. Oh, I love that. I love... So why can't you wrap your head around this? No, Bill, it just threw me a little bit. Okay. Uh, that you switch genders, you know, but I shouldn't because I know that everyone's gender fluid. Modern times. Modern times. So yeah. your daughter is Bill Squishman, yeah. head of Squishman Enterprises. Founder. Founder. Yeah. Okay. And head. And head of, yeah. Title on the business card. Nice. Yeah. Uh, what a lovely story you'll have for her one day. What did you call me, Papa? <laughs> Little Snookums? Snackums? We called you Bill Squishman, founder of Squishman Enterprises. <laughs> How do you feel in your new roles, Father? Do you think you're a good dad or are you an I awful I don't know father? if I'm a good dad, but I have never been happier in my life. I'm crazy about this. Oh, it is God. insane. I love it so much. It took much. me years to start to understand this whole affection for children thing. Oh. My kids. <laughs> Liza kept saying, get in there and try one more time. Just spend more time with them. I'm like, I don't know. I what does this have to do with my career? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't see how this helps me. I, I look at her and go, you can take me away from my career. I love you so much. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah. You say that, but you don't mean it. Once you're around them for a while, like more than an hour, that's when you want out. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. You're, yeah. a, you're a cold, withered, dead tree on a hilltop, you know? You've got no, no emotion, man. You need to. You're right. You need to warm up. Okay. You know? All right, that's good advice. Yeah, it's good advice. I'm going to do that. I'm okay. going to change completely. Okay. I obviously, it's a, it's a, it's a joke. I love my children. I, yeah, I've seen you interact with your kids, and you're very loving, tender father. I fight my son a lot. You, you guys do wrestle. I wrestle everybody. I yeah. love physical confrontation. Um, and I think it's a good way to get closer to people is mm. to fight them. You've never fought me. <clears throat> no, no, I haven't. <laughs> I'm worried about you. I, I, one good punch from me and you might just fall apart. Oh, really? Well, it's true. I'm, you, you know, look at me. I'm a I big mean, masculine man. Uh, well, I was going to say, I never side with him, but you do seem a, a little, not brittle. What's the word I'm like? Fra fragile? Excuse me? <laughs> you do. I mean, to be fair, you look like you're made of marzipan and you're a delicious treat for the holidays. But Excuse me? But I do think that- I was in the theater department. <laughs> I'm sure you were. Okay. I'm sure you were. All right. I have a master's degree in theater. So- Let's have some respect here. I think right? like in a cartoon, if I punched you really hard, you'd explode into a bunch of pieces and then they would all fall down and you'd be this nice arrangement of Hummel figurines that would fall down and assemble themselves. You think I'm fragile? You're very I fragile. I still own all my Legos, okay? <laughs> no, but you know what I mean. He is, I'm a guy who can take a punch and give a punch. No. I'm a man's man through and through. I have well, an anchor tattoo oh, on my uh, bicep. Is arm wrestle? Is that what this is? Are well, you? Arm wrestle doesn't prove anything. I'm just saying. Oh, if nice I need, Dodge. Matt, Matt, nice dodge. if I needed to, I would, I could claw through your chest to get through you instantly. Um, but I might, it would be very I might soft. just like right when you do that, I'll bust into a Shakespeare monologue. What are you going to do then? I don't know. So I would love to, the two of you fighting. The picture I have in my head is just this. Well, it's very quick. It's very quick. I've ever seen. Hmm. It's a slap fight. <laughs> I think slap fighting Lots is of, like, kicks a lot of this. Far away and. I slap, kick, and bite if I have to, but I get the job done. That's really? my motto. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry so I called not. you fragile, but uh. you, I mean that means that you're not like a, f a fighter. Yeah. No, I'm not that's, a fighter. That's a compliment. I'm, I'm glad to, to do this yeah. podcast. We found someone to sit across from me who makes me feel like a tough guy. Oh, that's man. what we essentially. No, that's what we essentially did. 
I feel like Ernest Borgnine over here. I, I feel like no. I feel like I feel like a big bruiser. Um, really? And, I, let me just take a drink. Mm. Sleep. I don't know. Is that mm. is that help? Sweet oh, chamomile. Yawn. Yawn. Mm, sleepy time. No. All right. Well, should we get into the show? Uh, yeah. Please. You better before I get angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. No. Oh, man. It's well, not working. Your, it's, it's called cranky. <laughs> you know, you fussy. Like me when I'm you wouldn't like me. You wouldn't like me when I get fussy. It's not the same. Uh, it's not the same. You wouldn't like me when I'm teething. Yeah. Uh, my guest today, so thrilled he's here, is a Grammy award-winning singer-songwriter who released his fourth studio album, Fear of the Dawn, earlier this year. Now has a new album, so prolific, entering Heaven Alive out July 22nd. He's currently on a world tour with tickets available on his website. Absolutely thrilled he's with us today. My friend Jack White is here. Welcome. So glad that you're here with us today. Uh, you and I have been friends for a long time. That is correct. Um, most of the people that I talk to on this podcast are not my friends. They're not your friends or they're pretending to be your friend. Mm. Many people in this town. To make it in the business, to, yes. to progress to the next level. No one uh, climbs the showbiz ladder until they've made friends with one they've Conan O'Brien. with Conan. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, but you and I have known each other for a really long time. Many, many years. Many people say uh, your whole musical style was sort of based mm. on... <laughs> what am I doing here? <laughs> no. Did I, did we did stop I, you before lying. you keep going? Just lying. Yeah, just, just lying. Yeah, just shit flat out lying. That's you used to, as a child, Watched me on late night, and then you said I could maybe uh, no. use no. his no. vocal rhythms, no, None never of that. Uh, to, guitar solos, to, as an no. example of what not to do. Yeah, yeah okay, yeah. all right, all right. Well, Nothing. maybe I went too far, and I, I do apologize. <laughs> <laughs> I do apologize. No, uh, you are. Uh, with so many people like like Sona, yeah. you only think I'm cool because I know that's Jack. actually that's very the only true. reason you yeah. think I'm cool. Yeah, you, I mean, think about your other friends. Yeah. I love them, but you know, yeah. they're it's not do- Jack. White. It's Dork Central. Yeah, yeah. and then there's <laughs> then there's you. This no, guy wrote a James Bond theme song. I know, and you know him. Yeah. I know, I know, and the, and you are of course the James Bond oh. aficionado of all time and of that movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Songs, yeah, that's one of the most divisive it is. things I've been a part of. Was I that song? Why is that? I mean, it's it's to this day, it's straight across the board. People always say, "Oh, you're a lover, you hate it." Something that song is. There are people who hate it so much, and people who love it so yeah, much. Yeah. Now, nowhere in the middle. It's so strange. That's it, like the movie itself. I think. I think. Yeah. yeah. So the movie comes along with what people think of it, but but. Bond themes in Britain, for example, are like, that's com- consistent coffee breakfast conversation. You know, like, what's your favorite Bond song? It's almost like who you are as a person. Like, yeah. a, you, you relate to which song it means something to you or whatever. It's really, but, I mean, it's great company to be in, though, when you think about some of the iconic Bond songs. Oh, yeah. Even if what's we, your favorite Bond song of all time? Um, there's a... a the one that I, I think I, I'm drawn to is Tom Jones's Thunderball. You know, that yeah. And I don't know if you know this, but Johnny Cash recorded an attempt at Thunderball. This is crazy. Yes, this I heard just this. came yeah. up on the Jeff Goldblum episode. He was oh, saying okay. how much he loved Thunderball, and I was oh, talking yes. about this oh, Johnny yes, Cash. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Johnny, 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 Johnny. No, of course, of course. <laughs> 
Oh, dear boy. Oh, 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 yes. Oh, well. Yeah, it's, it was while he was feeling uh, all of our faces with his tentacles. Oh, 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 yes, 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 Johnny Cash. Um, Johnny yeah. Cash wanted to have recorded a Bond song. Yes. It just didn't make it. It didn't make yeah. it, yeah. Unsolicited submission. I got in because Amy Winehouse wasn't showing up to the sessions yeah. wasn't or wasn't delivering uh, the song that they were asking her to do. So it was, we're running out of time. We need somebody else to do it. And I thought, oh, this is great because now I'm going to get away with murder. I'm going to <laughs> put things in this song. They would never approve of this, right. this section and all that. And that happened. It got to be, um, the music director was not down with it. And he was trying to kind of convince me to con- turn it into a ballad or something like that. And it, it, it got interesting. It was like, I, I, I don't, I, we're going on tour. I, I don't have time. <laughs> I, I, I really can't get in there. Knowing full well, I, I, I'm like, I'm, I totally have time to fix it if I want. It's so funny when you, my favorite move is, I'm sorry, I can't, but I don't have time. And then that person sees you at a leisurely lunch two hours later and you're clearly doing nothing. One of my favorite moves, and you know who did it to me once? Adam West. Really? Adam West, when, when Robert Smigel and I were working on this TV project, we wanted to bring Adam West back to TV. And we were working on this kooky project called Look Well. And we had this audition with him with the network and they said, yes, we're going to bring Adam West back to TV. You guys can make this pilot. We were so excited. And we said to him, hey, do you want to uh, go out and get dinner with us? And he went, I'd love to, gentlemen, but I'm very busy. I have big plans tonight. And we were like, oh, okay, Mr. West, no problem. And then Robert and I went down to the hotel to get dinner and we saw him sitting alone. (laughs) Alone. Alone. He'd rather be alone. That man would rather sit alone. And he saw us and gave like a little nod. He wasn't even ashamed. You didn't think I'd really have dinner with you, did you? Not at all, Mr. Wayne. We understand. Oh, Oh my God. Uh, You know, um, first of all, I want to congratulate you on Fear of the Dawn, which I've been listening to. Oh, thanks. Love it. And I had a lot of questions. First of all, the sound it's a it's a different sound than I've yeah. heard you get before. I'm fascinated by this because I know I'm going to go see you perform tomorrow night, and I'm curious: is it important to you to try and recreate that sound when you perform live, or does that not really matter to you? I sort of try to keep a little like loose uh, uh, structure of what that's what that is, right. with the idea of opening it up and making it into something maybe not bigger or better, but at least different or interesting for a second, another little path. But that's that can be hard to do. Some songs you have to play it that way. That's just kind of how it's going to go. There's not much you can do to change it. Other things, if you change them, they become better and better, and and people kind of wish that what you're doing live was the one that was on the album. You know, yep. You try to find that uh, that medium in the in the middle. But but what's interesting is yeah, like going out on tour right now. We're on our maybe two weeks or three weeks into touring, I guess, uh, worth of shows. Maybe I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's like the twentieth or show or something by now. But it's they're so different than they were the first couple of shows. These songs and they're. There's times where it's getting better, and sometimes it's getting not as good as it was when we first started. So you're constantly reeling it in and casting. And it's fascinating to me because the well, you're two things. You're a studio creature. You love being in the studio, mm. and you love the machinery. Yeah, and yeah. I've seen you. Maybe the coolest thing I've ever done in my life was when we were on tour. You remember this song? I remember it. And yeah. you invited me over to your house. Yeah, yeah. And yep. um. My mode of getting around was on a tour bus. Yeah. So a giant tour bus pulled up in front of your very cool house uh, <laughs> in Nashville, and I stepped off the bus and it went like, 
house. Yeah, so yeah. the doors opened <laughs> and I stepped out and I walked up this long driveway to your house. Yeah. And then you and I, you took me into the recording studio and- uh, I had you uh, take all your clothes off. Yes. <laughs> Which then, you said was for audio. Oh yeah. No, and I'm standard, like, whatever standard, you say, Mr. White. <laughs> How does this affect audio? <laughs> um, I don't know why I was talking that way, but it happens whenever I'm in Nashville. And uh, but no, and but I I could tell you're just really into the gadgetry and the machinery of it, and mm. getting your hands on tape. Yeah, I know you edit like with a razor blade. You really like to get in there and yeah, and and make stuff. But then I've seen you. Uh, perform when you're performing live, that's got to feel like a completely different gear. I mean, you're yeah, it's it's a completely different. You're not you're well, not like encased in your bat cave yeah. and figuring this all out. You're out there. Mm -hmm. You um, are you done? <laughs> um, <laughs> fucker. No, I'm not. Okay, go ahead. It's your show. The cup says your name on it. Yeah, it does. <laughs> And I guess my point is that there's a duality to all of us, uh, yeah. sort of a, a double nature. Is this if you where will. you guys show me inter interrupt? Right? Yeah. You told me earlier. I slip you a note. Go. Th this where you interrupt. And also save us. <laughs> Every man is a yin yang, if you will. No. Please no, but uh, no, but when you came in, this is a great example of exactly what you're talking about. Is when you came in to record. I don't know. If you guys know this, maybe you do, but he, we were doing sort of a, a spoken word uh, yeah. record. We were trying to do a recording and he came and he was just checking the mic and we were just setting the level of the compressor and all that. And his checking the mic became the record. He made up this whole story about Frankenstein off the top of his head. <laughs> and it was so good. <laughs> and it's the kind of thing where I always imagine when I was younger, I bet stuff like that happens and they don't put it in TV shows and yeah. they don't put it on that. And that's the good stuff. That's <laughs> the stuff they should put on there. And... Of course, that was the A side of the single was what you just did testing the mic. And that's how talented you are and, and how you're able to ad lib and make something interesting immediately. I thought that when I first did Saturday Night Live, they did, you know, that how they do a two hour version and they cut out 30 minutes of sketches. Yes, they do dress and then they do air. Yeah. And then 30, several of the sketches don't make the final cut. And there was one that was like, so great. Oh, man, that was so fun. I can't believe that didn't make it. And the next time we did Saturday Night Live, the same thing happened. And I was like. Asked, I got to talk to Lauren once and I said, you know, it would be great if you just hired a couple guys just to go through the 40 plus years of and find all those sketches. Great sketches. And make together like some DVD, like box set of lost stuff. Oh, I don't think people would be interested in that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. He, yeah, yeah, but it's he true. Said, no, I, mean, no, but I could see him shooting that. I mean, I could no. see him not wanting to do that because he, he didn't get. He was negative about it. He was, he was just like, yeah. But I mean, actually, recently we've seen uh, more like cut for time yeah. things they post. And you know what happened? And and it's this new world we live in. But Lorne Michaels, when you think about it, Saturday Night Live starts. He's 30 years old, and it's 1975. And yeah. So the whole idea of lost tapes or let's get stuff out of the archive that's somewhat funky or didn't have a lot of mass appeal felt, well, that's that's completely antithetical to what show business was right, at the time. Yeah. When late night television started, it was essentially found space. It was the equivalent of someone finding an attic that they didn't know about. Yeah, yeah. And so um, networks realized, wait a minute, we've got this time mm -hmm. from 11, and it used to be The Tonight Show, I think was, it was like two and a half hours yeah. every night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you look at those early ones, and they it is- Two and a half Guys hours. smoking cigarettes and killing time. Killing time. And yeah. so there was a, that affected 
that affected what the vibe was and what mm -hmm. the content was because you had, you know, if you had, and, and I think in a weird way, we've almost gone full circle mm. because well, like, uh, that's podcasts, what this feels like. Yeah. yeah, it feels like, I, if you had told me, yeah, you know, whatever, 15 years ago, we, we, we'd be headed to an area where people would find podcasts interesting and listen to them. And um, I would have said, oh no, it's gonna be way too much, you know, uh, it's not millisecond changeovers and, and, and flash editing and blah, 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 and hitting you over the head. That's what you, we'd always expect that right. the future has got in store for us is watching eight channels at the same time or something like that. And you're, uh, but no, this it's a lot of ways people have done the opposite of what you thought would, were gonna happen. Like this being a great, example of it. This format's been around for a long time, but it's kind of magical at this stage yeah, to get to just yeah. free form like this. Yeah. The need for content almost, but from the whole world or entertainment or the internet has almost made things, real things become popular or interesting again, where people are actually working with their hands on YouTube rather than just showing some nonsense or something. It's, oh, this guy can actually build something or this guy can actually, actually knows what he's talking about. Because uh, I was, I was complaining years ago. I think it's I don't know how many years ago, but I started sort of feeling like there's this death of the expert vibe was happening where mm -hmm. it was, say, someone, uh, if you're a musician, someone came and reviewed your record, you kind of had at least a thought, well, that guy probably got hired by such and such magazine because he's a he's got 5,000 records in his collection. Right. He's been to you know 10,000 live shows. And it seemed like all of a sudden now it was some kid who, who was 19 who hadn't seen a live show. Three years ago was the first time he went and saw a concert. <laughs> and you're kind of like, you know, where's the experts at? Where, are they kind of going away because of the death of print journalism or something like that? But I think it's kind of turned around in a different way. Now you're seeing more actual experts getting the mic or getting on camera that know what they're doing. Right. You know, I'm sure there's a million people trying, you know, trying to become famous or whatever, but they're... It's interesting to know that, that that format has now lent itself to people are now, you know, being able to experience that. There used to be gatekeepers in show business. Yeah, yeah. And show business was a very small club. Right. And um, if you think about the the 40s, the 1950s, yeah, there really were- 10 actors. Yeah, there's like 10 actors and 10 actresses. And if you were in the club, you were in the club for life. And we talk about this all the time, but I don't know who most people are anymore. Yeah. Mm. I don't know who, because I, I don't really watch a lot of like reality television or anything. So I'm, mm -hmm. I'm constantly, and, and the same thing with music where it's very hard to keep up. Yeah. I just went yeah. to Coachella, took my daughter to Coachella uh, and I was blown away, first of all, by how much talent there was there, mm -hmm. but also kind of blown away by, I should know all this, but mm -hmm. I don't. It's hard, it's way more than it used to be. I used to be able to open up like a enemy magazine or something in 2001, and I knew every band, every little punk band that was in there. And after a while, I, it, it's gotten so large. There's so many TV shows, there's so many, you know, things out there. It's very hard to keep up Also, with. there's this, um, all the advertising, because I've talked about this, but when I like drive down Sunset Boulevard, cruising for chicks. Oh, um, of course. Oh. But when I drive down Sunset Boulevard and I see- This was taking your daughter on the way to Coachella? <laughs> yeah. yeah, okay. She, uh, Just, she, I want to hey, get into context. Can I say something? Yeah. She understands the deal. Oh, okay. <laughs> she understands dad's insatiable need to cruise for chicks. And you see a wanted billboard with your face on it? <laughs> <laughs> hey, that looks a lot like me. No, but um, you see so many ads for TV shows 
Yeah. And all of them have reviews that say, if you're not watching Governor <laughs> Potato, <laughs> you're not watching television. You know, Stanley Bobo from Whip Wap Magazine. And, and, and then you see another one and they're very- oh, I would watch that. They're very judgmental. It's like, if you're not watching Colonel Squash Machine, then you suck. And nine stars out of five. And you just like, the demand that you have to see everything is absolutely insane. But There was a, a guy, uh, Rob Stringer from Sony, Sony, he was like the head of Sony Records, and he told me, you know, it's funny, Jack. Like back in the seventies, if you went, you you could be a music fan. You could know everything. Yeah, you could yeah. actually know everything about music. <laughs> you know, it, there wasn't a, a band or a release that you didn't have at least a, a you know, slight uh, knowledge of. Okay, I know at least know that genre. I'm not interested in that opera, but I know that my uncle listens to that music, and this is rockabilly over here, and over here is some jazz. Blah, blah, blah. But there wasn't stuff out there like, and there became a certain point where there were so many people and so much content you could, you couldn't possibly know even ten percent of what's out there. You know, like when we were, say I was a kid in the 80s, you would not see a rock and roll song on a TV commercial. Like maybe when Nike did the Beatles thing, it was like, oh my God, a rock and roll song was used on a commercial. Um, the, because they needed time for all those people who grew up with rock and roll to get older in positions of power where they were the ones deciding what was going to be in the ad and what was going to be that. And now that's gone even another, obviously a generation or two deeper. It's almost... What I keep seeing is like a commercial where they're doing like the fake, try peppermint gum. It's the blah, blah, blah. Like, what are you spoofing? That doesn't even exist anymore. Like, there is no fake thing happening. It's all like 90% of commercials are, are comedic or ironic. Uh, there is no actual thing to be spoofing anymore. I, you understand the points I'm trying to make in that entire monologue? <laughs> Just pick one of them and we can talk about it. Are you done? The thing I love about uh, microphones <laughs> is when you get them right in your mouth, <laughs> they get louder. Valvoline Instant Oil Change is the quick, easy, trusted place for your next oil change. Valvoline's convenient, no appointment needed. You can even stay in your car while they do the work. You have to sit in some waiting room, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Their friendly certified technicians have over 270 hours of training and they get you in and out fast while performing a thorough free 18-point maintenance check with your oil change. We got someone here who just experienced this, our own Aaron Blair. Blair, well, how was it? It was awesome. I took my Jeep uh, jock jams in and got a sweet oil change and uh, and I actually brought a book because I thought it would take a while. And uh, they had me in and out like 15 minutes. It was awesome. Well, also, you should point out, you can't read. I can't. So, But I wanted people to <laughs> you, think I could. Yeah, but I mean, uh, come on. Yeah, maybe somebody hot is there. They're illiterate. like, oh, what are you reading? I'm like, oh, and then, then you know, now I've, I'm, I got a date. Yeah, yeah I don't but, think that's, uh, that's not how people meet each other. Didn't, didn't have time for that. Yeah, so if you see Blade driving around in his beautifully oiled jock jams, <laughs> give him the old thumbs up. <laughs> or throw a tangerine at him. <laughs> Anyway, uh, Valvoline, they're doing it right. Visit valvoline.com slash Conan for an exclusive offer towards your next oil change. On the way in today, Sona, I was thinking about just how much has changed over the years. Yeah. You know, when I was a kid, we were all dancing the jitterbug and the Watusi. And then you grow up now and there's mosh pits and everything's gone cuckoo. There's this new thing called rap. I don't know what's happening anymore. But guess what? In a world full of change, there's one thing that hasn't changed. Mm -hmm. The great taste of Miller Lite. Are you with me on oh, this? Oh, yeah. I'm right there with you. Yeah. And you know, another thing that hasn't changed is that it's less 
filling. Yeah. I hate a filling beer. When I have a filling beer, I just want to sit down in a beanbag chair for six days, but not with Miller Lite. So what's the best thing about the original light beer? Mm -hmm. Back in 1975, the big debate in America was what's more important, that it it's less filling Miller Lite or it tastes great. Yeah. The cool thing is when we all realized it's both. Okay. It's less filling and it tastes great. Yeah, all right. Everybody wins. Everybody wins. Miller Lite keeps it simple. Undebatable quality. Great taste. Only 96 calories. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and it's less filling. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com slash Conan. Or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Yeah. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. Fewer cows and carbs than premium regular beer. If most people are being honest, no one really knows what you do for work, right? Yeah, it's true. Yeah, especially if you're in a what I like to call B2B. Oh, you know? what, what is that? I'll explain. Okay. That's a business doing business with other businesses. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I call it B2B. It's a little thing. It's also, uh, it's a boy band I'm working on. <laughs> anyway, fortunately, LinkedIn has a network of professionals who get what you do, and you can reach the right people who matter most to your company because they're LinkedIn. Yeah. That's what they do. Yeah. LinkedIn has over, this is the fun part to say, one billion members. Are you serious? Yeah. That's not that's more people than are on Earth because there are people on the moon using it and Saturn. <laughs> <laughs> that's one over one billion members on its platform, including 70 million decision makers. God, I'd like to meet a decision maker. Since LinkedIn members are regularly updating their work history, you can precisely build a target audience by job title, industry, company, and more. Man, you can reach the right people for your, I'm going to say it again, B2B business with LinkedIn ads. Yeah. Gets even better because LinkedIn will give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Hmm. There you go. Just go to linkedin.com slash Team Coco to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash Team Coco. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. I don't have a lot of regrets in life, but there's a saying, no regrets, and I've never mm-hmm. understood it, because I do have regrets. And one is, when we were doing our show at TBS, you contacted me. I had no idea you were serious. You said, I'd like to do the upholstery. I'd like to make you your talk show couch. And I was like, that's so hilarious, man. That's great. Mm-hmm. And then later on, you're like, no, 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 I was serious. I would have made your, <laughs> you would have made that. And I, I felt like such an... Such a lost opportunity yeah. to have a talk show where Jack White made my talk show couch. I'm looking yeah. at four upholstered chairs right now. It's not too late. That's true. Yeah, we should put you to work. But you were just fabric, no welting on the edges. It's all right. This, this guy, first of all, you did an apprenticeship for how many years as an upholsterer? Oh, many, many, many years. Yeah, I started when I was 15 and I, I had my own shop when I was 21. Then that's when the real learning begins is when you open your own place, you know, because you're like, have nobody to ask advice about anymore. So you're right. Saying, so you opened your own shop. Yeah. Did it do well? It did okay. Yeah. But it, it did only sort of 
I, I was so strange with it that it was, you know, I was doing sculpture as well. So people were kind of, you know, I, I started, everything became an art form with me. I was feeling the, you know, the insides of the furniture with poetry and, and oh you know, the, the, the bills I was writing in crayon, like it would be yellow paper with black crayon, like you owe me $300. <laughs> and I would present it to them and I delivered a piece <laughs> in the yellow and black uh, uniform with a yellow van that was an old fire, Detroit Fire Department van. And it was, people were like... What? <laughs> uh, you know, and it, it's like not a, they, they, you know people. We probably would have got return customers for right, right. Uh, some of these people, but um, yeah, no return customers. But they they would pass my name on. It seemed funny because it always got just enough uh, money from it to pay the bills. It was never any more than that. It was always broke even or less. Um, Are there people out there right now that have a couch that you've put poetry in and they don't know it? Oh, yeah, certainly. certainly. Oh, right now yeah. people are listening to this is just ripping their couches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Have you ever made like a leather quilted door? You know those? Like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've, done, oh, I've done those, really? yeah. Button tufting, it's called, yeah. yeah. And, um, yeah, button tufting asshole. <laughs> no, this is the first uh, yeah, time you cut me off before yeah. I could say it. I'm but. an asshole for not saying that. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, so you did that for a while, and are you? You're obviously pursuing music at the same time. And that was kind of tough because I had a studio, so I was doing sculpture in there, like constructed sculpture and um, sort of carpentry based stuff and garbage picking and putting that together in a sort of hardware store art. I was thinking of it being sort of hardware store art, and. Uh, working on furniture there for to pay the bills and then also sometimes I would bring a guitar in there too but that usually was a mistake because I would I would quit working on the furniture and go and play guitar and realize oh my god I've been playing for two hours sitting here I should right. get back to work and um, yeah eventually that got to the point where the White Stripes got enough offers to go and play shows that I, I was taken away from the furniture enough that actually we started making enough money playing shows, which was shocking to us, you know? Yeah. That, that was, that was, yeah. So then I eventually closed the shop up, but I, but I kept everything and I rebuilt it in Nashville behind my house. So, so I still have it now. You have, you do you still do it sometimes? You still yes. do some upholstery to just kill time? Oh yeah. Or? I did a lot of projects during the pandemic. The actually 2020, the first year of pandemic, I worked on nothing but furniture really. And, um, let me rephrase my question. Yeah. Do you take commissions on leather buttons? <laughs> <laughs> at times, yes, at times. Okay. It's so funny because mm. I have a very, uh, could I ask for some more, um, Coke Zero? Okay. What Do the we fuck? Have any? Okay. Well, and I guess this is now a restaurant. Yeah. Um, and yeah. also just the bill when you get a chance. <laughs> it's going to come in crayon. <laughs> I haven't had uh, sugar in over two years. I haven't had sugar since 2019 or any carbs since 2019. Really? Yeah. What, 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 abandoned what, what, it. what brought that on? I was, I had no, no clue about the pandemic about to happen, but I thought that I, I thought it would be nice to start the, um, is that Bud Light? <laughs> Bud Zero? <laughs> so you decided you just went completely off sugar and you've stuck yeah, with it? Still, yeah. It's been since 2019. I haven't had any sugar or carbs, really. Because um, you've been insufferable since you showed up. <laughs> that's the thing. I think people are people are starting to say, uh, throwing candy bars at me. You like, walked in, you're back. like, hey, assholes. <laughs> you used to be nice. Yeah. You must have moments where you've taken this... Uh, crazy journey too seriously <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> no but I mean I went to a uh, you and I went to a Dodgers game together and we're yeah. sitting in Dodger Stadium <laughs> next to Kendrick Lamar by the way yeah next I, to Kendrick remember Lamar, I remember that next to and, I, and then they start and Bob Newhart was there it was a it's one of those nights where you're with you're with Conan Kendrick and, and, and Newhart and you're just asking yourself oh, I, I and, no no it was the craziest group 
<laughs> and so anyway, we're there. Wait, and are all four of you literally together? No, no, no. We, 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 okay. we, uh, I went with Jack. We went and um, it was such a cool night for mm. me because we drove over and on the way over, you were like, oh, I'll play you some new music I've been working on in the car. And first of all, rock and roll always beats comedy. Comedians don't get to do that. I can't say like, oh, I did an interview. Uh, hold on a second. Which with uh, David Spade, and I want to tr- play you a couple of tracks from it. You know, let's let's really boost the bass on David Spade's voice. You know, it doesn't work that way. So, but you get to play this amazing music, and I'm like, shit, it is better to be a rock star. I don't know. So anyway, we get to Dodger Stadium. We hook up with our posse, Kendrick Lamar, Bob Newhart, and um, oh my. But I remember sitting with you <laughs> at Dodger Stadium and they start to go doom, 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 doom. And you're just sitting there and I'm like, this has become an anthem that is ubiquitous in across the globe. Mm. <laughs> Everyone knows how it goes. You and it's one of the most famous, you know, licks, riffs, mm. tunes it, it, ever. And I was just sitting with you going like Oh, right, this is you. Yeah. you know? <laughs> I think I started to make up lyrics about money's coming in your pocket. <laughs> I am making some money. <laughs> but it reminded me like how fucking freaky that must be. It's strange, just- yeah. I, there's a, my mother was a huge fan of the movie Yankee Doodle Dandy. Yeah, me too. I so love that movie. I still love it to this day. And um, he, uh, so he's obviously playing the character George M. Cohen and, who had written the big World War One song over there? Over there yeah. And at the last scene in the movie, I think he he walks out of the White House, and there's a there's a parade of soldiers singing over there, and he's walking with them. Yeah, and, and uh, yep. we we've got uh, a soldier next to him. Uh, James Cagney says, "What's the matter, old timer? You don't know this song?" Yeah, and um, and he oh, wrote yeah, it. Yeah, 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 and he wrote it. And uh, I think of that every time I hear <laughs> that uh, Seven Nation Army on a, a sports. Uh, broadcast or something on TV it has the same feeling that it's not mine anymore I mean uh, you, you, you it becomes folk music when things like that happen it becomes something that um, the ha- the more people don't know where it came from the happier I am you know the more it just becomes yeah ubiquitous and yeah. I'm sure many people are chanting the melody have no idea what the song is or where it came from or why or whatever it doesn't matter anymore and that's just amazing right and you, know? you it's funny because over time you will even lose your connection to where you were sitting when you came up with that. Oh, it's strange. Yeah, yeah. Or you guys probably banged that out. And said so quickly. Oh, we we, we filmed it. Yeah, no, yeah. Let's we go get a donut now, yeah. and that's that's the level of intensity. You know, we filmed that uh, recording of that record a bunch, and that I, that I know that song was just filmed for a minute because it was not considered anything interesting at that moment. It was just uh, other things we were working on. We thought were way more interesting, and um, so yeah, you'll see that we saw the video. It's like <laughs> we should have filmed a little bit more of this song being recorded <laughs> than we did. Uh, the, yeah. yeah, but uh, yeah, no one ever knows that the, the labels didn't want to release it as a single when we. We're coming out with the album. They had picked a different song. So you just goes to show you, even when you've got it right in front of your face, sometimes you still don't know because it's not about, you know, really you can market something or you can brand something or you can push it uh, or you can try to support it and b- build it into something bigger. But you really have no idea what's going to connect with other people. Right. You know? Well, I mean, I think Satisfaction famously was like a B-side. Oh. They were like, well... Mm. 
this will be some filler. Oh, um, oh and, uh, you know, they didn't, even listening to it in the playback, they didn't know. Wow. It's a fascinating phenomenon. I was going to ask you today, I just came across the word pandering this morning. I was reading something, and I kind of define it in my mind, what what do you think pandering is in, in show business? What, what would you like? What, can you give me some examples of what you think pandering is? Okay, I didn't realize this was going to turn into a quiz, but um, <laughs> all right, I'll go along with this. I think to pander to someone is—it's uh, almost like you're not—you're you're you're abandoning your belief system, and you're just like if I were to pander to Matt mm, Gorley, oh no. no, 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 this isn't a bad thing, but I would just. I would, I would, to pander to you means that I would subsume, let go of my own personality and just say like, aren't Bond movies great? Or just talk to, talk to you about things that you like and almost act as if I'm on exactly on the same wavelength as you, even though I, I don't completely agree. Is that? I don't, I, I think you're looking at it a little more negatively than I would. I think pander is a negative word. <laughs> I you don't pander know. to the audience. I would but think like, it's a negative word, but maybe, I don't know. Uh, let the ser- if it, do you have a positive I, take on it? I do. Like when you go when like when you were on tour in 2010 and you would take specific things about those cities, mm. you were in a way, weren't you kind of pandering to oh, them? Yeah. Oh, you were, I'm a terrible panderer. Well, yeah, yeah, but I'm saying I still that, think it's negative. You didn't, I don't know. I don't think you gave anything of yourself up. I, I think, think it's a terrible hey, quality. We, we can hate what we do. <laughs> yeah. That's not the question. Yeah. That's not the question. No, I'm just I think kidding. you're adapting to your surroundings and it, you don't necessarily have to give up who you are for it. I think you're I, just adapting. I, I think know. it has a negative, I do think it has a neg- mostly negative connotation. Mm, okay. Is there a so, form of selling out in involved in it too? Yeah, I think a little bit. Like, you know, if, if you pandered to the crowd and only played mm. the songs of yours that they are most familiar with and it, there's something about not challenging people. You're because, not challenging people when you pander to them. what you think they want as opposed to what you feel like you should be doing creatively. If, right? if you, uh, on stage, on tour, for example, you know, show business rules sort of dictate if you don't pander a little bit. If I don't say, hello, Columbus, Ohio, how are you guys doing tonight? If you don't say the name of the town, even say hello. I mean, there are times where I get out and play, I want to play five songs without even talking on the mic, without even saying, I don't even want to hear my own speaking voice. I just want to perform and get into that zone. And I realize about two songs in, I really shouldn't do that. I should stop and say, hello, Cleveland. How you guys doing? Okay, great. And, uh, <laughs> you know, but right. and in my mind, every time I feel like that's not me. That's not who I really am. It's not what I want to do right now. Right. Uh, and I would love to tell the story of being like completely, I never pandered to anybody or I never gave up my artistic, whatever I want to do at that moment. Um, but I don't know. You, you can't really do that. You, you have to play a little bit along with the scenario you're in. You have to play the room that you're in a little bit. And then I think that may be impossible to not pander. You know, I always love when some when you when you just said right now uh, hello Cleveland mm-hmm. and um, the guy in the crowd who's like I flew in from Akron you know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've always been and Akron yeah <laughs> <laughs> I drove from Buffalo you know like people that just there's people in the crowd who would take you and just be like no I've got to make it clear to him that I am not mm, yeah yeah uh, I've always loved uh, the concept of a very articulate specific heckler uh-huh. yes, yes, yes and <laughs> we're from the excerpts we're from the suburbs. Um, wait, we okay. went to a magic show one time where the magician's trick was to, he could tell um, anybody in the crowd would stand up and say uh, their zip code 
because he used to work at the post office when he was younger. Mm-hmm. Anyone who walk up and set up and set their zip code, I'll tell you exactly where you're from. <laughs> and me and my friends thought of so many jokes that wanted to play on this guy. We, just, we didn't do any of them. Mine was like, I knew that the 48222 was the zip code of a, the mail boat on the Detroit River that has its own zip code. That delivers oh, mail. Yeah. I was going to say I was from I there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> <And Bastard. laughs> I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I didn't, I didn't mess you with it. You strike me we, as the kind of kid that would go to like a Sturbridge village where they've recreated you know when when the actors there who who recreate so he you yeah. go in and there's a guy from the smithy shop and he's right. there and <laughs> and he's like well be- hello and what you always want to do is go hey what do you think this is and, and you hold up a digital watch <laughs> i was the guy that wanted to do that and they always have to do the same thing you can tell the actors always like oh what devilry is this <laughs> yeah. yon device on wrists uh. why you must be in league with satan and they're just like fucking go away kid today. <laughs> yeah yeah you're not the first to do that yeah. no you yeah. love it when people play along though you know they're good people right yes uh, exactly. we, were, we were at a hotel the other day um uh, on sewer and uh, this hotel as you're walking out it had some kind of old ticket booth uh as you were leaving so it, the, the exit it was like i guess maybe for a valet or something but it was a, a ticket booth a glass window and we were leaving a couple of us and there's a, uh, a guy sitting in there and then we're walking outside and i turned to him and said uh two tickets to life please <laughs> and, he, and he leaned in that'll be 750 <laughs> Like, you're a good guy. You're a good guy. <laughs> I think about you at times, and then I call you, and it gets weird. But it's uh, usually at three a.m. in the morning. Oh, you're yeah. usually drunk. <laughs> I love you. Um, oh, no, that, would, that would be a blessing if you said that. <laughs> I know. I think about you. I fucking hate you. <laughs> I want you to know that. <laughs> I will kill you, and I will never be linked to the murder. And then you're like, Conan, these calls are all recorded. Damn it. <laughs> no, I've uh, I've thought about how you and I, I think I've been able to do it to some degree, um, which I'm very happy about. Which is I've managed to take my own eccentricities and build a life around it. Mm. You know, um, but I've never seen anyone do it more successfully than you. Where when you go to Third Man mm. Records in Nashville. You have, and I was, I remember the first time when I, when I went there and I was looking, walking around, looking the way everyone was dressed and Mm. all the stuff you have on the wall. And it occurred to me, you are, you're a villain from Batman. You are. (laughs) Yeah. And I've I've, I've talked to you about this, but like, I was like, where have I seen this before? Oh, right. The Riddler. (laughs) The Riddler makes everyone who works for him wear, even if they're like out of shape guys in their forties, they have to wear close knit form-fitting sweaters that have question marks on them. And you know, you know that they were like, oh fuck, it pays well, the Riddler, but do we, we have to, and he calls us Quizzle and Quazzle and Quizzle. But I was like thinking about, and then I started to imagine the uh, FedEx guy and Amazon guy who delivered a third man coming to the door and it's like, we've got a, uh, we've got a cuckoo clock here, but instead of a cuckoo, a Roy Orbison comes out and sings only the lonely. And instead of 12 numbers on it, it has 15 numbers and it's supposed to be mounted upside down. And the idea of you at the door saying, oh, that's, you must have the wrong address. That's not us. And in the background, they see cuckoo clocks where Roy Orbison's are coming out and they're like, I'm pretty sure. And like, no, I don't. I think you have the wrong place. I don't think I ordered this. 
<laughs> but it was so you've made through sheer force of will and mm. talent and just monofocus, I think you've managed to, I mean, you did it, you know, in the white stripes, it was all about like the aesthetic. Mm. It has to be, this is what we're about. This is what the look is. This is what the sound is. And then you just, I think, kept doubling down on that mm. in your life in different ways. And the result is now you, you've you built this ecosystem mm. around you that's really very cool and creative and Thank populated you. with people that have to <laughs> dress the way you tell them. <laughs> Don't get any ideas. Well, I'm just thinking. I think it's cool not to have to think about what you're going to wear all yeah. every well, day. Well, I'm glad you said that, Tom. Uh, what would you put us in? Oh, my God. You would be dressed as a little Dutch boy. <laughs> well, I'm hearing Hey, this. hold on. Hold on, guys. And please don't be mad at me. Will you please do one episode of this where they have to wear what you tell them? Yes, oh. yes, yes. I and, and it has to be, you can't know, you know, oh. can I just give the parameters for it? Yes, of course. I think that it can't be, you can't know until you show up that day and there's no out. There's no, you can't say no Fantastic. to it. I love this. You know, Wait, and, um, what's in this for us? Nothing <laughs> really <laughs> no. is You get in to it. continue no. working uh, for Team Coco. I mean, that's- or We I don't to, do it, we're, we're yeah. fired? You mean I yeah. get to finally- <laughs> Of course you are. I get to finally quit. You know what? Have you, seen, yeah. have you seen Jack when someone shows up, when someone's in the background moving an amp and uh, they forgot to wear their, their little bowler hat? The guy totally loses it. I've seen him on stage. Like, he totally stops Flipping playing the song. tables. Where's your fucking bowler? So well, it's 110 degrees. We're playing a Bonnaroo. It's really hot. Get your fucking bowler! What's Sona going to wear? Yeah. Well, we'll figure it out. Okay. But I think uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I want it, you to be dressed as a flower pot. Oh. A big flower coming out of your head. What? <laughs> <laughs> and you have to every every thirty seconds you have to go. I'm a flower pot. <laughs> if I ask you a question before you answer the question, anything. Sona, how you doing today? I'm a flower pot. <laughs> uh, pretty good. Doing pretty good. The kids what? are all right. <laughs> I love. It. Okay. The, like you know, there's that there's that famous thing. Twilight Zone where Billy. It's Mummy team is. building. It's <laughs> team building. Okay. It's team destroying. The I love women this. that work for Jack wear such beautiful dresses and outfits. Well, and he stuff. might choose that. He might no, choose no. that. No, Jack, he's a very cool. He's Jack has stupid. a cool aesthetic. I come from more of a cartoony world. Yeah, I'm going to come in uh, with foam. And I'm really big into degradation. Yeah. Yeah. You hope it's foam. It could be actual like terracotta <laughs> pottery. There's going to be real soil involved in your yeah. costume. <laughs> um, I'm a flower No, pot. but it must be... There, I mean, there have to be moments when you just, when you look at the world that you've created around you and go, was this all compulsion? Was this like, this This couldn't have been the plan when you were 20 years old. It was sort of like, uh, I think it came out of um, a couple of things, which was um, what I was doing on my own in my upholstery shop, like I had described, which was sort of melding art and business together. Maybe mm -hmm. it was a way of justifying the business part of it so that it felt creative. Um, but obviously it didn't work to a lot of people. It was very, uh, the wrong business move to make because they didn't consider me a, a professional or took it seriously or thought I was, this was like a art piece or something. 
rather than they actually just wanted their, you know, wing back chair reupholstered or something. So um, maybe this part of that, but there's also my first band I was in was called Goober and the Peas. I was a drummer in this band. I was the 13th drummer of this band. Wow. So they had just gone through drummers like Spinal Tap. And <laughs> this was my first tour. And they dressed like Grand Old Opry cowboys with hats. The beautiful oh. Hank Williams. That was the yeah, whole yeah. look of the band. Like the nudie suits. Kind yes, of look. like yeah. nudie suits. And I was, the, every drummer was named Doc. That was your name. Uh. So... I came in and I said to them, you know, like, hey, I, I really like playing the music and all that. I don't really know about wearing this uh, get up here. You know, like, this is not really me. I mean, I'm not, I like country music all right, but I'm not from Nashville or, yeah, yeah. or wherever. I'm from Detroit and it's kind of hard to play drums in a 10 gallon hat and uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. all these excuses and stuff like that. And they were like, no, I'm just trying to explain to me. And they showed me pictures of the Grand Opry. This is what we're trying to accomplish here. And I thought, okay, all right. And I went on. It's not my band anyway. I'm, yeah. I'm a hired gun basically. So I did that. And then I learned that. It, it didn't matter what kind of music you had or if it was any good or if it was better than the other bands, whatever. You knew when you went to other places, if you were on a bill or if you were on a, a festival, this band got noticed immediately just because they weren't wearing jeans and a T-shirt. Mm -hmm. Someone said to me, like, if you go on stage in jeans and a T-shirt, all the people that are doing it are thinking that they're not wearing a uniform, mm -hmm. but they're now wearing the new uniform, yeah. which is jeans and a T-shirt. And if you're doing that, now you're making the same choice that everybody else is making. You know, 97% of the people on stage are, are, are choosing that uniform. So if you're going to make a choice, you might as well start thinking about what it is that you're trying to project and what you're trying to send, uh, the message you're trying to send out to the world as a performer or an artist or anything like that. So that got me thinking a lot about those things as, as experience and time went on. By the time uh, Third Man Records was around, it was also making people feel included. Like we are all part of the creativity of what's happening. If mm -hmm. you're in the art department or if you're a sound man or if you're working in the, in the store up front, that we're all kind of working in this creative uh, team in some sense. And maybe a... Um, in a way, it makes people feel like they, they have a, a, a reason to, that their voice is heard as much as everybody else's in some way. Yeah. You know, um, it's a little evocative of like Warhol's factory. Sure. Where yeah, there's yeah. a, that's what I was feeling when I was at, you know, Third Man is that there's this idea that we're all going to contribute. Everyone's contributing in different ways. Yeah, yeah. I, it's funny that you bring up this idea of melding art and business because mm. yeah, all, all I ever yeah. really wanted to do was make stuff. That's what makes right. me happy. I remember and you telling me that, I mean, you obviously got your new environment here. This is so cool that you're able to do this and, and maybe you're able to do this because you're under different constraints than you were yeah. in other yeah, things yeah. that you were doing. I remember you telling me when the, it was, a, I think it was the Tonight Show when you got there and you mm -hmm. just made a joke about having a marching band and then they, then one showed up. Yeah, yeah. Like the budget, yeah. the budget was so much bigger to be able to just think of ideas and there, snap your finger and yeah, it's and, there. And there's a, there's a, there's a upside and a downside to it. Right, yeah. Um, you know, I always think uh, some of the greatest records in the world were made on two-track or four-track. Oh, yeah, of course. And yeah. then the minute you give someone 85 tracks and unlimited time, yeah. that's how you kill a great- That, you that know, can a, often, a, often be a bad move, yeah. Yeah, I just think that- But here's the example yeah. is there are different kinds of constraints. There's that you, You've worked under the constraint where you snap your fingers and a marching band shows up. Yeah, yeah. And the constraints where it's a, a seat of your pants, like we're all putting together a show like Little Rascals or something, yeah, which yeah. is, I assume, how this is produced. <laughs> Child labor. Yeah. <laughs> we, there's a curtain made out of quilts that you can sew it together. Depression-era children work on this show. <laughs> 
<laughs> We've managed to keep them, their bodies preserved. <laughs> but you can see the benefits of each kind of constraint and the, and the, the pros and cons of each kind of restraint. Uh, constraint. Yeah. Sometimes uh, the, too much money is not a good thing and sometimes not enough is... But, yeah. No, no, that's, that's why, I mean, the space that we have now here in Larchmont Village uh, in Los Angeles is the only thing I have, to, have ever been able to compare it to is, well, this is my attempt to kind of have a space like Jack where I'm Pee Wee and this is the playhouse. Mm -hmm. And um, it's such a nice feeling. Uh, we it should be too, because I did some research on it and there's a Native American burial ground yeah. under oh. here. Yeah. Oh, we knew that when we got it. Oh, oh that's yeah. why you got it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. I, we went out of our way. I said, find me a Native American burial ground. Yeah. I've got major construction to do. <laughs> no one's ever gone at it that way. Yeah, it's hell of a price. Interesting, yeah. real deal. Oh my God. Real, real deal. There's an island I just, I mentioned, I, that popped in my head because there's this island by where I grew up called Zug Island, if you can believe that's oh the name God. of it. And it's this sort of almost like an evil lair, gigantic fire coming out of pipes, uh, rusted, uh, you know, steel, you know, foundry building of some kind. And we were always would joke about it. Actually, the White Stripes went, we snuck on Zug Island and took photos in front of a giant coal pile once because we wanted an all-black background. And uh -huh. I was just reading about it that it was an Indian burial ground for thousands of years before it had been developed in the 1800s or something. And I thought, wow, thousands of years. You ever think about uh, cemeteries and like how <laughs> there maybe should be more of them because um, yeah. of how many people used to live here? <laughs> and have you ever thought about how many people used to live here? No, I haven't thought about anything. And I, have you ever thought about people that cemeteries, you live with? Cemeteries is uh, number four on my list of things to talk about. Okay, yeah. Too many cemeteries is what I have. <laughs> that, oh, you have that written down. Yeah, yeah, there are too many. Oh, I thought there wasn't enough. I wrote a sketch for SNL once where... Uh, the, the prize. No, but my, I'm sorry, but to finish that point, where the hell is everybody? There's like two cemeteries in every town. I mean, where did everybody They're else go? They're all on Zug Island. First of all, it must um, be. what happens is uh, eventually uh, everyone who knows that person mm. is gone. And then they and then dig that up. They, um, yeah, and then they, uh, yeah, it becomes something else. That's what happens. That's why I refuse to be buried in a traditional grave because yeah. I know that. 15 years after I'm gone, no one's going to go by that grave. No. You're not going, mm. Sona, no way. to see my grave. No, not, not, a, not a week after. Yeah, not a week after. Yeah. I'm going no out one's of my going way there, and then it. it's just embarrassing. Yeah. It's embarrassing to have a grave that's all weedy. Yeah. No one's putting fresh flowers down. And you told me you wanted to be buried next to Jim Morrison in that French cemetery. Yeah. Oh, I've arranged for it. <laughs> oh. But anonymously. Oh, okay. Yeah. You can have a different name on the gravestone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anonymously? What's, I'm gonna the, be, what's the point? Yeah, my name is, uh, there's this little stone that says, not Conan O'Brien. <laughs> Parentheses. And then an arrow going down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't. I, I I think about that all. I, yeah. I, I this is an obsession of mine. Yes, is um this is crazy that everyone gets their own plot of land when they go. I yeah. think it's insane. I think we should all be ground into a powder. And you buy and you buy it. And what are the legalities of it? Can never ever be sold or moved or dug up or what are the legalities of you when you buy a plot of land to be buried and is that so supposedly forever? Yes, that's going? the whole is concept. That right? you know? That's what they're selling is forever, wow. but who can promise forever? No. It's a scam, I tell you. Wow. Okay. No. no. You're taking on the I want to be left cemetery, he's, he's taking on the cemetery industry, industry. I think I want to be left nude in a field. <laughs> 
where I'll be found yep. by kids. He who are wrote playing. to me this morning and said, "Could you casually bring up cemeteries <laughs> <laughs> so that I can finally get to no what one, this podcast is really about?" No one knows how this works, but I keep sliding little pieces of paper yeah. over to Jack, yeah. and the last one said cemeteries. And mm. you're great. Do you it. just go do, with it. Do, do it now, by the way. Start start talking about something and slide something else to me while yeah. we're, while we're talking. We're but just I, you talking. know, it's so funny because um, yeah. you know because uh, we're, um, we're filling, we're filling, we're filling in a the conversation. Okay. Let's have a real conversation. No, but I petunias. Mean, I mean, uh, gladiolus, gladiolus or petunias. No, I, I find them both interesting. Your work yeah. with one can smell better. The fact than that the other. you know Bob Dylan yes. and you're connected to that just incredible legacy of work, and that you two have formed a friendship. Here's and can... the problem, though, Conan. Here's the no, problem. Yeah. Uh, when you're when you are trying to make a corn cob pipe, yes, Sarah, is. <laughs> and, and you no. and you and you first you shuck the corn, of course. Okay, no. you got to shuck. <laughs> All right. Okay, I love that I sh- I, I, I moved corn cob over yeah. you. This is, should be the new way uh, yeah. that um, that the podcast works. Is that I just chat yeah. and talk about your incredible. I mean, uh, the new work, Fear of the Dawn. You have another uh, album, uh, Entering Heaven Alive. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes. this is you're doing you're doing fantastic work. You're right, vibrant artist. Hitting on all cylinders. Um, what's the guy's name? I'm from Monopoly, Mr. Pun- Pennybags. Uh, Is that his name? Uh, monocle? Yeah, he's got um, what's the, the, the Mandela effect where people think he has a monocle, but yeah, he never he ever had a monocle. He doesn't really have a monocle. When what? I think monocle, I don't know That's what, what came to mind when you talked about my new album. Wow, <laughs> there it is. The problem is all these things you slip to them are eventually just going to be compliment me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Compliment my hips. What? Your hips? Oh, um, Conan, your, your hips seem leaner than they used to. Well, thank you, Jack. I'm just sliding pieces of paper over. Tell me I smell like roses. You smell like two, roses. Two things you chose, corn cob and monocle. Yeah, yeah those yeah. are the two things. Um, you, so you're doing a show tonight. Yes. What's what do you have to do to do this show tonight? Because I want to let you go soon. I want you to get your rest. I know you are in a hyperbaric chamber for up to three hours before the show. <laughs> up to three and a half hours. Yeah. What what do you need to do for this show to get into in, into Jack White performance mode? This is the uh, uh, these are some of the backstage uh, requirements. Mm. A conversation with an elderly person. <laughs> <laughs> Bedridden preferred. You've done Bed, it. Bedridden, yeah. I'm yeah. it. I'm your elder. Oh, okay, person. so I can cross that one up. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Gorley. You bet, buddy. I mean, granddad. <laughs> um, yeah, you give me the next one. What would you have for, what would you have for my, uh, uh, let's say, what you would hope that you would see on my uh, rider? I would like you have to eat a, a huge, heavy meal. <laughs> <laughs> like a lot of rich, rich meat, a lot of beans, a lot of sweet molasses just, beans, uh, and, yeah. and 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 I just and you kind of have to eat all of it, and you have a big bib on, and it gets all stained with like the beans and stuff. A Monte Cristo, and then you have to go and, and yeah, like a deep fried sandwich. <laughs> and didn't realize I was wearing the shirt I wanted to wear on stage. Yeah, yeah. Well, and then you have to go have out that and, and give a high voltage performance. <laughs> and the fun is, everyone in the audience knows. It, they're told beforehand, ladies and gentlemen, he's just had six pounds God. of sugary, sweet molasses beans, uh, and he's had eight pounds of short rib, and um, yeah, he's had and he's had fourteen pounds of uh, of corn. This, uh, did you say you were going to come to tomorrow's show? Is yeah, that what you said? okay. Show. Um, and I'm going to jump up on what, stage with a ukulele. Please, <laughs> Wait, um, I don't know when this is 
going to be is this I never be, know uh, no one lets me know it's, it's, it's long it's, from now yeah it's not a few weeks from now. Long we're not airing live. live it's not yeah, live no, yeah. no. <laughs> um, well, you could give me a list of three things that I have to mention on stage oh, tomorrow oh, wow. I'll do that that and, kind of pandering uh, but, huh? yeah that kind of pandering July <laughs> <laughs> for we're going to call it reverse pandering <laughs> reverse pandering I um, love that I love the idea that you have to work this crap in <laughs> yeah that's great and you have to work it into song lyrics um, well just hand me the paper before I go out and I'll, what, tie, what I'll, 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 I'll tape it, it to my amplifier. What's that? Say it. You know, say well, it maybe now. he can tell you later. Uh, okay. This is what I gave him. If it works out. Yeah. Well, maybe I okay, can't. Yeah, maybe I won't be able to work out. out uh, too, you you or else you just have to, at some point in the night, you have to reference Baron von Hindenburg. Okay. <laughs> but in a way that feels natural. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh man. So, what I don't want to know until right before I go on stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. have a paper. But you're like, yeah, I'll figure it out. But it's going to be you just sweating and being like, man. It's hard to work in Baron Von Hindenburg. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's great to be here in Cleveland. I'm actually from Akron. (laughs) Sir, please sit down. I flew in. Um, Before I let you go, I have to uh, say that I, there are many things that I adore about you, but uh, one is your guitar playing. I think it's such a hard instrument to make yourself identifiable on because there's so many guitarists in the world. I always mm. know it's you playing. No matter what uh, effect you've done, I mm. always know it's you. Oh, so and you've got that. that very cool sort of staccato style that you play that just always speaks to me. Like, oh, mm. I know exactly who this is. Wow. It's wild, because I grew up being a drummer and, and I didn't, I avoided the guitar because I thought everybody plays guitar. And, and just like you said, it's it'd be so hard to be unique. And I think that kind of turned me off when I first sort of went to New York and L.A. When I was a teenager, I thought, oh, wow, this is like, it doesn't feel special. It feels like everybody's doing what you're doing. Right. Or there's 7,000, oh, you, oh, you're a drummer, big deal. There's 7,000 drummers here, you know, or whatever. So I thought, well, I should avoid that as much as possible. But then I realized it was kind of the only way to really, really connect all the pieces together and present it to other human beings in a mm-hmm. way. I mean, if you do poetry, yeah, you will find a, a, a certain amount of people who will listen and pay attention and get something from it. But you'll find a lot more if you put that to a melody, you know. And mm-hmm. if you're a drummer, you could connect to some people, but not really unless you sing something along with it or play, you know. So, so really the way to, to sort of connect with others, with art, I mean, and, and music would is you have to sort of play that instrument whether you like it or not I think guitar or piano yeah. and um, so I sort of picked guitar from kind of b- basically just teaching myself over the years when I was a kid to slightly how to play it you know I think maybe that has something to do with it if you're finding it unique when you hear it it's probably because of uh, my disbelief that I could be unique with it right. uh, and sort of giving up on that you know, almost like, oh, whatever, you know, I, I, maybe this will just get tossed on the pile with all the other guitar players. So I might as well not even try to be as good as them or try to be as interesting as what they're doing. I'll just use it as my f- form of expression. And really, I want to get to the story and the the whole point of the song is what I'm trying to get at. This is just kind of a MacGuffin. So maybe that has something to do with it being. I, I still don't know if I agree with you that it, that it is that unique. But if, if if you're seeing that, maybe maybe it has something to do with those kind of ideas. Well, right? it is, I, I do think it's your the way you came at it is very different. And I don't I'm not the only person that says this, but you're mm. playing when you take a solo and and eating your rhythm parts. It's very. I just know it's you, and I think so many people. What they really want to do is have a Les Paul and be able to play very smoothly and get mm. this kind of, they, they want to sound like their heroes. And I always think it's our failure 
to be our heroes. Mm. I mean, the people I grew up idolizing. Yeah. No, that's I, exactly I, what I was just saying. You, you, you encompassed it that yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, we'll edit it Great. so you said it. Um, <laughs> when I hear you, I don't hear a guy who was working necessarily on, I want to sound just like mm -hmm. Jimmy Page, or I want to sound just like this person or that person and have this really smooth, great, you you figured it out. You, you hear like a you guy miserably failing is what you're saying to me. <laughs> yeah. You're listening to the sound of failure. You're solo. In real time. Yes, yes, yes. This is it. We cracked it. You fail consistently. And I wanted to, by the way, why don't we get more people coming in to in, be interviewed this by me? This is the last one we had left. And so now we're done. Yeah, yeah, we've alienated everyone now. This is what I say to everyone here. It's your failure over mm. and over again. Perpetual failure that's, oh, uh, that's brought you to me. Hey, why is your guitar, why is it engraved Connie Stevens? <laughs> Because you know what it costs to have your own name put in there? It's too many letters. Yeah. I'm at the Connie. Conan's at the Connie Stevens estate sale again. Um, listen, uh, I want to let you go. I want you to have a great day. Rest up. I'm going to come Thank see you, you uh, tomorrow. Um, and uh, I'm just, it's its a joy to know you. It's a joy to oh, know you. Oh, man, likewise, Seriously. Conan. Seriously. It really is. It really is. It's great. I was thinking earlier when you said that, you know, I, I think that you were the first well-known person or celebrity that I ever saw in public and went up and said hello to. I don't know if you ever That's know. That's right. Him. It was a bowling alley I, in yeah. Detroit, and yeah. I was there shooting a remote, and afterwards, the, the writer Tommy Blacha and I went to this bowling alley, <laughs> and I was bowling and was in a Detroit bowling alley that had like a bar next to it. And the next thing I know, these like cool young kids. It was you. <laughs> yeah. Was, was Meg there? Yeah, Meg was in the next room. A bunch of the garage rockers were there. Yeah. And, but for and, about a week, I kind of kept kicking myself like, wow, I don't know why I did it. Why did I go up to him while we were sitting at a dinner table and said hi to him? I mean, that, I shouldn't yeah, have we, done that. But it was so nice because yeah. we, we got along, we hung out, yeah. we chatted, and then cut to like, I want to say two years later, um, I see that you and Meg are playing SNL and I go up and I don't remember yeah. you from the bowling alley. Sure, of course. Because yeah. you were a kid. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and I remember telling you it's your failure. No, oh, no, no. Yes. <laughs> that will be. I said your you're a failure, and that's going to make you a success. And you were really bummed. No, but I came up to you at SNL and I watched you guys rehearse. Yeah, yeah. And um, then you came over and you went, "It's good to see you again." And I was like, "Again? I've not met Jack White before." And you went, "Yeah, we met in in Detroit." So you reminded me that we had met each other. And um, you were wearing a monocle, I think. <laughs> a monocle. And, and a corn, corn cob pipe. I had a corn cob pipe. And um, <laughs> very good. This is all very good. No, but it was one of the nice. You just things. Do, 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 don't keep bringing up monocle over. You, you, you weren't saying bring this up as many times as you possibly can. That wasn't the challenge. <laughs> it says monocle times seven. <laughs> oh, yeah, you do it. Monocle to the eighth power. <laughs> well, anyway, monocle, 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 monocle. Monocle, monocle, corn cob, corn cob monocle. Um, I'm gonna have a corn cob monocle made for you, and I'll send it to your wacky house of horrors in Nashville. Um, Jack, uh, yeah, that was a lovely accident that we met each other all yeah, those years ago, really was, yeah. and um, and we've kept it going. Mm -hmm. And then you were kind enough um, when we came up with this podcast. I, there was one song I wanted. Mm -hmm. We were going to be friends. And you were like, sure. You an incredible price we had to pay every time. <laughs> um, you're living solely off those royalties now. <laughs> 
you haven't recorded anything <laughs> since. <laughs> we haven't made a dime on this show. Yet. We're in the hole. We lose six hundred thousand dollars a month on this show. <laughs> but because but I insisted on that song. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, have a great show. Knock them dead. Thank you. And. Um, Congrats. Congrats on being you. You're, you're, you're very good at being you. Keep doing that. Thank you. You as well, man. And I love what you're doing and always have. And we always say, you know, all of our friends, like, it's, you're the first name that comes up, you know, when, uh, you know, when we think of this is what we, you know, when it was late night TV, oh, that's mm -hmm. the show we want to do. And, and, and uh, this is the way it should be done. And, and, and your sense of humor has got such a different take on it than all that sort of plastic stuff that was out there, especially all, all those years. So, yeah. you know, well, thank I'm very, you. I'm glad I just I'm said, so yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean that. Yeah. I meant like, let's, I got uncomfortable. <laughs> it was a long, second. I was like, yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. Yep. I always was better than everyone else. Someone finally gets me. <laughs> it's true though. Well, you heard it here. Conan, better than everyone. Um, yeah. Hey Jack, thank you so much. Thank you, Conan. Appreciate it. So no, where else can you go surfing and skiing the same day, huh? I don't know. Or check out a world-class art museum and then camp at a dark sky sanctuary that night, huh? Uh, yeah. Yeah, where else can you hike through Redwoods and then get a luxury spa treatment? Where? Well, you live there, California. <laughs> California, Sona. No matter where California. you go across the state, you'll find a way to play. I'm a California resident, so are you. Sona, you are a lifelong California resident. I'm a lifer. I love this place. This is a beautiful state. Gorgeous. So many different, wonderful ecosystems in one state. You can hang out by a Palm Springs pool. You know, you can go whale watching. You can go hiking in Yosemite. And then uh, talk about the great cities in California. You get all this amazing food, sushi, whatever you want. They got it in California. Hey, if you can't find it in California, man, you got a problem. Yeah. I shouldn't have done that. I made that up on my own. Anyway, I love California. Discover why California is the ultimate playground. Head to visitcalifornia.com to start planning your trip today. Conor Brian Needs a Friend is sponsored by ADT. Introducing ADT Self Setup. Featuring everything from motion sensors to Google Nest Cam and the Nest doorbell with a battery or wired option. Your choice. Easily install the ADT self-setup security system at your convenience. You don't need heavy-duty tools. And if you do need help, ADT can provide virtual assistance along the way. Self-setup from ADT grows, moves, and adapts as your needs change. You can add more products at any time, and your system easily moves wherever life takes you. It also features Nest Cams. They can tell the difference between a person, an animal, a vehicle, or with the Nest doorbell, even a package. These things are getting so smart. Plus, when every second counts, you can trust ADT's 24-7 professional monitoring. You can view video of an alarm event and verify or cancel an alarm with just one quick tap. Now everyone can get trusted security from ADT installed your way with no long-term contracts. When the most trusted name in home security as the intelligence of Google, well, <laughs> you've got a home with no worries. Go to ADT.com today or call 1-800-ADT-ASAP. Google, Nest Cam, Nest Doorbell, and Nest Aware are all trademarks of Google LLC. You know, on the Jeff Goldblum episode recently and today's episode, 
we discussed how there were a number of rejected theme songs for James Bond movies. Mm. Yes. And this is something that I guess is one of your um, orgasmic <laughs> pleasures in life is talking about James Bond movies. It's something that you know a lot about. Yeah. I'm not putting you down. No, and way. I didn't even bring this up. No, and crazily, it came up with Jeff Goldblum and then came up again with Jack White, the idea that Johnny Cash apparently wanted to write yeah. and sing a Bond theme and submitted it mm -hmm. and it was rejected. Or just ignored, even more likely. I'm not sure. Or, yeah. Ignoring a submission is a rejection, That's right. in my opinion. But the idea being, that's fascinating that you know, you think of, I mean, Johnny Cash was uh, a genius yeah. and such a seminal figure. And I adore Johnny Cash. The idea that he would say, he would submit yeah. a song, a James Bond theme, and it would be, you know, thanks a lot, pal. Just keep, <laughs> just move along. <laughs> move along. Thanks for your time. Um, get that jalopy out of here. Uh, that, that amazes me. So there's a rich history of famous musicians submitting and or being even requested to submit for Bond songs that have not been used. And I thought I'd put it together into a quiz. Okay. And you guys, I will read you the name and the year of the movie and four musicians or bands. And you have to guess which one is the one that actually had a song. And you can hear these songs online too. Like oh, oh, the one that, wait a minute. The one, the one that the actually got one. the, oh, not the real one. Not the real one that was in the movie, but there is a, a musician or band that did a real song and it was rejected. So yeah, these are okay. rejected. How yeah. many of these happened when I was alive? One. Oh, the, fuck <laughs> you. No, wait, sorry. No, I'm sorry. Three. What year were you born? 82. Three. Okay. But yeah. these are not things that either of you, no one would know these things. He knows, definitely. he's like, oh, that band was like big in that, that no, time. I've, I've structured but, the no. answers so that that's, yeah, that's okay. yeah just this relax. Is, this I is, know, I'm thinking of you, Sona. There's okay. no stakes here, Sona. No, there just are. Relax. There are always stakes. <laughs> but listen, there are always so, stakes. So I'm curious. Yeah. I just want to be very clear because I think, yeah. and to be fair, and the listeners will agree, um, you didn't set this up that clearly. These are actual submissions that were rejected. Yes. Got it. And I'm doing this for the show and for you guys. I don't give a damn about any of this stuff. I'm not wearing a t-shirt right now with a James Bond reference yeah. on it. it it's just like, I. this is a service. I don't care. Okay. I don't even like James no, Bond. I love okay. James Bond. Don't you have a podcast Let's, about James Bond? No. Didn't you over COVID build a James Bond Aston Martin out of Legos? <laughs> oh, I thought you were heading for a joke and I actually did. No. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, did, yeah, but didn't you? Did, you did. Wait, you yeah, did? I did. Oh, yeah, he did. Yeah. Well, let's do the. Quiz. He also built. Um, uh, he, he built Sean Connery out of Legos. <laughs> <laughs> a full size six foot one Sean Connery out of Legos. Easier and, than you think. Yeah, yeah. it was. That's he made impressive. it. It was over six hundred thousand Legos. Oh, but you don't like James Bond. Don't even know who he is. <laughs> All right. Okay. The Wait, first, again, yeah. just to, sorry, just to ring in, because oh he God. never gets this All we right, do is recap. Is okay. when, when One it's more time. time. When Let me understand. These are microphones us, and we're in a- Excuse me. When uh, it's time for us to answer, we say our name and then we answer. Yes, Because he correct. never does that. No, and, and he, I just want to make sure. he won't be acknowledged if he doesn't. So yes, you have to say your you. name. And then if you Ooh. answer incorrectly, you're locked out. The other person gets to answer. Yes. Okay. Let's okay. go, because this is riveting. Okay. <laughs> you're, you're so angry. You're like building it down just in case I win. I want to act like you don't care. I think this is boring. I didn't even want to do this. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You're not a big, huge James Bond fan. All right. You this built a Timothy Dalton <laughs> at 600 feet high. <laughs> 
out of macaroons <laughs> during, co- oh, during COVID. Is that true or not true? I put a Timothy Dalton skin of macaroons on the Seattle Space Needle. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. The year is 2015. Got it. I remember it very well. is Spectre. Spectre. Ooh. Got it. Okay. Uh. Now I'm going to read four musicians or bands. Mm-hmm. Ready? What are you writing down? Just chill. Okay. Jump. Ready? Mm. Paul McCartney. Mm-hmm. Ed Sheeran. Mm-hmm. Arcade Fire. Mm-hmm. Radiohead. Sona. Sona. Arcade Fire. I'm sorry, that's incorrect. Conan? I'm going to say it's not Sir Paul because Sir Paul um, uh, did Live and Let Die. Now and I can't think- mind, Shirley Bassey did three. Yeah, but I know, but I just don't believe it was Paul McCartney because I don't picture anyone saying to Paul McCartney, thanks, pal, but take a walk. Well, and I'm not a James Bond fan. But when he submitted Live and Let Die, the producer, Harry Saltzman, said, that sounds great. Who are we going to get to sing it? Are you guys going to have like a longer <laughs> conversation before he answers? Conan, what's your when, answer? Ed Sheeran. I'm sorry. That's incorrect. Uh, Damn. Who was it? It's Radiohead. Oh Radiohead submitted. God. Radiohead submitted a song. And you can hear it online. Yeah. And 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 they said, we're good. We don't need it. Yeah. Wow. And I, th- I, think, it's, I think it's better than the. What did they? Sam did, Sam Smith and I like Sam Smith otherwise, but this I think I remember his yeah, writing yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. Okay, the year is nineteen eighty. This is me thinking about you and I. We both have a slight musical bent. Yeah, Gorley, we should submit oh. a James Bond song and try and oh, and I'd be happy to sing it. Thank you. It no, 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 but just oh yes, it's but we just need to have rejected. the title. Oh, hey. We have to have the title. Yeah, the we t- have to have the title of the of what the. Do you know what the next Bond film is going to be? No, no one does. They don't even have the. But bond. they don't have a title yet. No, so we can make. Sky's oh, the limit. The bond. No, sky's the limit. Sky's the limit there is a great is. title. Oh my god. Sky's the limit. Already rejected. Sky's the limit. No one wants. Wherever you go, what can't you go beyond the sky? Oh, oh, we got to work on this. The year is 2025. 2025. Musicians are Conan O'Brien and Matt Gorley. Yep. Okay. No. Both of us playing the zither. (laughs) (laughs) The year is 1981. Mm -hmm. The movie For Your Eyes Only. We're in the Roger Moore era. Yep. Okay. Of course. (laughs) The four musicians. Mm Hmm. Pete Townsend, mm-hmm. Pet Shop Boys, mm-hmm. Kate Bush, or Blondie? Sona. Yes. I'm going to say Kate Bush. I'm sorry, that's incorrect. Yeah, I love this Aww. game where she just blurts out the wrong thing right away. I like to take a little time before I say the wrong thing. That's how quizzes work. You don't have a discussion with whoever is conducting this the is quiz and then just, you know, be like, well, it can't be Paul McCartney and he's talking about Shirley Bassey. Like, what is this? This isn't fair. <laughs> Uh, you have to answer. What? Whoa. I hate that. He just like crocodile dundeed you. so much. Oh, nothing fills me with more rage. Yeah, I don't blame you. We edit it up so it'll be come out faster. Okay, That's the beauty no, of it. No, we're going to let I people know. Going to. I'm going with Blondie. That's correct. Yes. Uh, and it's, I think, better than the Sheena Easton one. I love Blondie. This song's cracking. Yeah. What, is, what is the song? It's called For Your Eyes Only. Uh, does she do it like Blondie? Blue Eyes Only. No, it's it's a little more sultry. It's oh, I love that song. Which okay, Heart of Glass. Yeah, yeah. Heart of Glass. Yeah. Okay, the year, nineteen ninety five. Okay. Mm-hmm. The film Goldeneye. Mm. It's Pierce Brosnan's first time yes. as James Bond. Yes, mm-hmm. it is. Okay. Ace of Base. Mm-hmm. Depeche Mode. Mm-hmm. Oasis, or Blur. Sona. Sona. <laughs> I am just guessing. All of these are just guesses. 
Oasis. Sorry, that's incorrect. Come on. I'll go with the correct answer, which is Depeche Mode. I'm sorry, no. Damn it! I wanted to come you in with really, a lot of authority. Yeah, you I really, had no. But you, you know really what? If I'm going to be wrong, I want to go in. When I used to play uh, basketball with my brothers, my favorite thing to do was be way outside and say nothing but net, <laughs> and then hurl up a giant brick. It's my favorite thing to do. Uh, you know, oh my <laughs> put God. it up. It's a three, and then hurl the shittiest shot anyone's ever seen, and it would smash a neighbor's window. I'm gonna throw a curveball at you. Guys. No, who was it? it I'm was... gonna throw a curveball at you. Goldeneye, 1995. Is it Ace of Base or Blur? I'm gonna I, I might ace of me. Ring, I ring in. I'm gonna say this Conan. Is a yes. I, I just think it's too early for Blur. It feels too early to me. That's why Ace of Base is crazy though. That's crazy. Is that your answer? No, I'm just. I, I think I'm gonna have to say Ace of Base. He wants to see if you're giving. I'll him say any Ace reaction. of Base. I'm not giving anything. No, I'm, I'll know. say Ace of Base. Okay, so you wrote, rang in. Yeah, I'll say the, Ace of Base. The just correct to be answer contrarian. is Ace of Base. Yeah, <sighs> and they. You can hear this song, but they changed the title and called it the Juvenile instead of the Golden Eye. You're not allowed. <laughs> If you're an artist, to change the title of the James Bond well, they movie. Do. Well, no, no. You After can't, it like, was rejected, they wanted to put it out as a song. Oh, I see, yeah. I see. Oh. I thought, I was thinking of, uh, you know, someone like Cher saying, I want to record <laughs> the song for the new James Bond movie. Um, and they're like, um, okay, Cher, cool. And he's like, yeah. Well, anyway, the title of it is, you know, um, you know, a bullet for the brain. And she's like, no. No, that's not the movie title anymore. Sure, she can do that. Yeah, yeah. now it's all about, um, you know. <laughs> she can do that, though. She sure. No, whatever. Was Cher sure ever rejected? Not that I know of. I hope not. I mean, probably never in life. Cher should never be rejected. Never. Look, already this segment has gone on longer than I would have ever wanted to talk about James Bond. Right. So what we're going to do is we're going to roll this over into a 2 You have taken your own personal obsession and hijacked, use it to hijack... <laughs> A very popular podcast, and you've taken it down this cuckoo cul-de-sac where only you want to hang. There's never been a popular podcast that used the term cuckoo cul-de-sac. No, <laughs> next summer, instead of chill chums, it should be, the, welcome to the cuckoo cul-de-sac. <laughs> I like With it. Conan and his quasies, all with Ks. <laughs> Write that down. Welcome to the cuckoo cul-de-sac with Conan and his quasies. All right, we'll see you next episode. If you dare. Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, with Conan O'Brien, Sonam Obsessian, and Matt Gorley. Produced by me, Matt Gorley. Executive produced by Adam Sachs, Joanna Solitaroff, and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson and Cody Fisher at Earwolf. Theme song by The White Stripes. Incidental music by Jimmy Vivino. Take it away, Jimmy. Our supervising producer is Aaron Blair, and our associate talent producer is Jennifer Samples. Engineering by Will Beckton. Additional production support by Mars Melnick. Talent booking by Paula Davis, Gina Batista, and Britt Kahn. You can rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts, and you might find your review read on a future episode. Got a question for Conan? Call the Team Coco hotline at 323-451-2821 and leave a message. It, too, could be featured on a future episode. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Earwolf. Every Stearns & Foster mattress is handcrafted with the finest materials for irresistible comfort every single night. 
Now, save up to $800 on select adjustable mattress sets only at StearnsAndFoster.com. Lesser savings may apply. If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free confidential support anytime you don't have to hide how you feel